Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another Monday night show for the Tiger Cast. Hope everyone's doing well wherever you are. Um, there's a familiar face hovering at the, the bottom center of the screen. I'll get to him shortly, though. Grok, how are you, mate? Welcome. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, it's been a while. Um, had a perforated eardrum, so couldn't really wear any headphones or earphones until I got the doctors all clear. So that sorted out last week. And so it was, it's good uh, to be yeah. back. Quick trip down to the shops for a fifteen dollar pair of get your buy headphones. <laughs> yeah, because I had a, I've I've got my Samsung earbuds that I paid three hundred bucks for, and they've just disappeared. I don't know where they've gone. They were on my bedside table last week, and they're not there anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's why I don't buy things like that because I would be in the same boat as you, and it's just money down the drain. It'll they'll turn up though when you're not actually looking for it. Absolutely. So. No, good to have you back on. Uh, and Tiggs, Tiggs, everyone is back. How are you, mate? Welcome. I'm good. Uh, look, thank you for being, putting up with me. Um, for those not aware, I'm suffering from concussion, um, and it's knocked me about more than I ever thought a hit dead ahead would, considering, as some people would suggest, I've got nothing in there to damage. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's been tough. But um, I've just dosed up on my medication to get me through this, this hour. So um, if I start rambling on, like, rambling shit you guys won't know the difference so that's what i normally do so colonel, um, yeah, sanders, no, 70, yeah. colonel sanders 71 that's a good one yeah no thank you very much eh? yeah thank you very much man i hope everyone's <laughs> well hope everyone's good uh kfc's everyone's popping in now uh before we go any further uh connor has joined uh, your club tt has actually become a collingwood member after losing a bet so another yep. tiger has fallen. He bets that uh, Collingwood wouldn't win by any more than 20 points in the game against the Cats. And he had to pony up for a Pies membership. So well done. Well, well I'll feel you pain, Connor, mate. You'll cop Magpies seven. I, well, I cop in the bank. Even two years later, I'm, I'm still copping it. But you know what? I don't regret the decision. I um, saw a lot of McRae when he was at our VFL side. And as a true tiger, I have loyalty, mate. So um, I wanted to give him a good start, him and Lepper. And... Um, yeah, the shallow among us like to just, you know, throw the knife in. But, you know, I'll take it. Grok, <laughs> uh, was that Prime? Did you re re-venture uh, out? No, I didn't. It's not Prime. It's just Coles, Blue Raspberry. No, Coles on. Okay. Yeah, which is delicious, by the way. Very good. Uh, good yeah, evening, Nick. Uh, before we go any further as well, Ken exclusively announced that Richo will be on April the 3rd, Monday, April the 3rd, 8.30pm to 9pm. So put that one in your yeah, diaries, folks. A half-hour special. We'll get the big show on. Probably to be confirmed, this side of things, but I'm thinking I don't really want to ask him or talk talk about his time coming up the ranks as a youngster because we all kind of lived and breathed that. We all know that. Um, and he's been on before when we've already spoken about it. So... I might want to try and take a different angle with uh, the gang who join us on the show for that one, but we'll we'll work that out and come back to you. So, yeah, no, nah, he's my hero. Uh, if I was a footballer, I would have been maybe Richo's personality on the football field. I reckon he got <laughs> me through. He got me through the nineties. <laughs> oh, Mick from the Philippines, welcome, Mick. As we're going to the Philippines, jeez. All right. Um, we will get stuck into it. There's a few things to get through, not only from our game, but also some AFL topics as well that have been a little bit mind-blowing that have come out in recent times. But uh, we'll start off with our game. Oh, do we do our game first? Or do we do... Do you want to do our game first or do we want to do the other topics? Yeah, We'll do the other topics and then that way it's all just Richmond at the end. I think it'll flow better. Yeah, if you like. 
Yeah, if you like. All right. And to All answer right. to you, Damien, I've never rung 3AW, mate. I, um, yeah, no, I don't know who that would have been. Maybe, maybe I've got a copycat. Wouldn't be surprised. Copy yeah, no, no. Well, this one's famous. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the first, the first topic we'll we'll touch on is the and now I made a bit of a dick of myself in our PM. Uh, I will put my hand up for this. Um, Tiggs, you wanted to talk about the the picket bump, and my mm. reply was, "When did Marlon bump someone?" <laughs> uh, forgetting <laughs> that it was actually Cosy Pickett that he was talking about. Yeah. So I finally cottoned onto that a couple of days after, but uh, two weeks for Cosy Pickett. Uh, for someone who essentially missiled themselves off the ground at Bailey yeah. Smith, it's something I don't think I've never seen a jump like that at a player. Like it's kind, it's different to a normal hip and shoulder, in my opinion, just the way it kind of unfolded. Um, and yeah, but going off the the outcome is always dangerous, and we've spoken about that before. For people who've been suspended for doing a perfect tackle, who have just gotten unlucky that the players, you know, knock their head or haven't been able to protect themselves. Um, and now we're seeing it on the other side where just because Bailey Smith didn't get knocked into next week, that Cos is only getting only a two-week suspension for it. And it just seems, and someone's written in there, and I tweeted it, that manifestly inadequate. There's just a few things that don't add up. But to the letter of the chart, whatever you want to call it, it is actually right. Um, and I was talking to CB today, and the problem is that in, under their guidelines, a bump can't be classed as intentional. It can only be careless. And I think that's where the issue is because that was nothing but intentional. And there's been plenty that plenty others that have been, but that's why it doesn't go any higher than what it does weeks-wise because it, it can only be careless and then it comes down to impact and the medical report and all that kind of stuff. Um, Grok, I'll let you go first because, Tiggs, you can bring us home with that. But, Grok, what was your take on the Cozzy saga? That should have been... At least three, if not four, for me. The The whole grading system is a joke. As you said, bumps can't be classed as intentional because the whole reasoning behind that is they didn't intend to hit them high. That's the whole thing behind intent. But the thing is, if you, in, if you choose to bump, that should be an intentional action. It should be the action itself, not where you hit them or anything like that. If you choose to bump, it should be intentional conduct. And you've also got the thing, that, that line that they trot out against us. One, as you mentioned, manifestly inadequate. But where's the potential to cause injury as well? If he gets, if he's one inch to the, to the left, he gets, he gets Smith high. He's out for two weeks with concussion. That, it, it's just, the whole system is broken. It should be minimum four weeks. If the AFL, in a week where they've had two separate, you know, two separate lawsuits against them, class actions for concussion and acquired brain injuries, like where's where's the where's the sense in only giving it two weeks? It just makes no sense. And it's just a slap on the wrist. There's yeah, no exactly deterrent. Right. And, and Tiggs, as someone who's currently going through um, concussion sort of symptoms still after a knock, What's your take on the situation? Well, for me, where I see the uh, – look, I get where Michael Christensen is at. He has to follow a, a point system, a grading, and he's got no wriggle room. He has to tick the boxes and it came up as two weeks. So I knew <clears> – see, <throat> the flaw in that system is if you watch the incident in Hull, Cosy tracks where Smith is going, sees where he's about to go into the ball, he props himself and then he spears himself into him. 
So to me, that's not a bump, that's a strike. If they had classified it as a strike, straight away that means they can grade it as intentional and he's, he's sitting straight off the bat, regardless of the outcome, at about three weeks at the start. And then it looks, to me, sounds like a bit more fair. So there's two types of bumps in my... A bump for me is when it's in, in, the, in the actual contest. So what I mean is within that five-metre zone, you've got to make that split decision, all right, do I grab the ball... Um, do I grab the man and tackle, or do I bump the bump him off the ball? That for me is a bump. Cause he didn't do that. He was he he did that. He it reminded me of the other picket from um, North Melbourne and Port Adelaide. Adelaide used to do it, go right off the line and just line someone up. That's basically what he did. If you if you watch it um, a couple of seconds before he actually commits, and a couple of seconds means a lot in a football field in how much distance you can close. He did this way out of the five meter radius. He knew. What his um, what his issue was going to be, and but the AFL's a joke. Let's be honest. They, if it had been Al Marlin that had done that, or if it had been Dustin Martin who had done exactly the same action with the exactly same result, no way would it have started off at a two week basis point. What you would have seen is intentional to goal injury to add an extra week, and they would have done that knowing it's safe because why? Um, you know, we like to tear the bigger players. Um, Club. A lot of people hate Richmond. Let's be honest. So, I, I'm a true believer on that. They do. Um, they apply to the jumper, and they also do the MRO to the jumper in part. So, I, I'm just flabbergasted. I hope the AFL loses millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars on concussion. Um, they don't take it seriously. Um, they are allowed. Like Buddy Franklin, how often has he got off? He's done the same action, and he's got off a time and again. People go on a coaching with his elbows twice he's done it. This guy here has done it basically every year. He does two or three instances with elbows um, and they're clumsy. He knows exactly what he's doing. And the AFL continually lets him get away with it. Why? He's in a franchise club. You know, they're not stupid. You know, they can't have their marquee player not on the ground. Pickett yeah. is their best best forward in Melbourne is owned by the AFL. So for me... Yeah, that's tinfoil hat stuff. I'm starting to go into that, but I'm not an idiot. Um, I'll just say to myself one question. It was Marlon, Al Marlon that did that same action. Gotta keep in mind, this is a bloke who did a who got hit in the back of the head, charged into that big, huge ruckman, just put his hand on his chest and received a week suspension. To, it went from two weeks to one because the potential for his hand to go up to the neck or the head. The potential didn't happen, but the potential. So yeah, it's a farce. And, you know, at the end of the day, mate, um, the fish rots at their head. And, Gil, if you watch this show, mate, it's on you, buddy. It's the one, really on you. The one thing that I do like about this whole situation is even though the even though um, Smith got straight back up, played the game out, they graded it, I believe, as high impact. So I that that's how it should be. It was it shouldn't be just because you get up, it's automatically low impact because there's no mm. no long term or short term injuries to him. The and fact just, that they graded it as high impact, I, I think is is correct. And, and just on that, I'm suffering at the moment from secondary concussion, apparently. That's what the specialist has said. Um so I had the initial hit, I went for a week and a half with the symptoms of that, and then the main symptoms, which is what you guys know I'm I'm suffering from at the moment. Um, I, that happened, that started triggering two weeks in. Why? I fucking don't know. I'm not a concussion expert. But just to answer on your, um, to answer Todd, about, you know, uh, we've got away from things. Yeah, we have, mate. And so, and also every other side. 
But all I'd urge you to do, mate, go to the last two years, just the last two years, and just replay the reaction on our infringements and report players that have been reported, and then compare that to this incident. You'll see a complete double standard. And I stand by that. I'm not blind. I just call it as I see it. We've all got opinions. Some might think I'm a bit more Richmond-centric than others, which is fair. I am, you know, I bleed yellow and black. But, um, yeah, no, it's not right. It doesn't sit right with me. And the perfect example is that, that poor kid from Adelaide. It's exactly the same. He is actually more favourable to me because he actually did it within the contest. <coughs> he didn't line the player up from five, ten metres out. He actually was in that area and decided, no, I'm going to just go leap in. Um, and, look, he's going to get three, four weeks straight to the tribunal, as it should be, um, for a bump because he actually did some damage. And the last thing I'll say on it is why don't we play Russian roulette? Like when you've got a gun to your head, it's got you don't know where the bullet is. That action still has the potential to kill you. What the AFL is basically saying is when you pull that trigger, it's okay if it doesn't. the bullet doesn't fire. You're only going to get punished when the bullet fires. That, for me, is just how stupid this whole system is. And why our, our competition um, will always be a rung underneath the rest of the, the elite competitions of the world because of the way we're officiated. It's just garbage. Now, Scott Pendlebury, we'll keep this part short, but Scott Pendlebury f- uh, flagged an idea later today that do we need to consider something along the lines of the sin bin? And I know this could divide a lot of people, so keen to hear what listeners are thinking as well, but... The premise being that let's say that Cozzy Pickett did knock Bailey Smith out and he had to go off and didn't come back on. And we've spoken about this last year with Tom Stewart and Dion Prestia. Um, the team who has copped the injury is at a disadvantage on the, at that moment. So the player who did the deed is still out there running around. For things like that, is there a scope to have some kind of mechanism in play where they would get either sin bin, sent off? Like it happens at local level. You can get red and yellow carded in local footy. Um because there just seems uh, there's not enough deterrence, and some people might say, "Well, you can't double dip and then sin bin them and then suspend them." But I reckon you can, if it's going to be a serious bump, if that's the way to outlaw it and stamp it out. Because yeah, the team who cops the injury is the one who's worse off for the now and for the two weeks' time, however long it takes to come back. Yeah, look, on, on that to me is I don't agree with the sin bin. See, the thing is, just so I, I'll clear clear it up again. There's the standard football action. Right, they can't get reportable, right? Head eye bump. I don't want that out rule out of the game, right? Um, because that's just part of the standard football. There's always going to be injuries on a contact sport. Um, I don't want us to be basketball. That's why I don't follow basketball. I follow AFL. But your eye can tell the difference. If it's uh, let's people love talking about Shield and, and Cochin, right? We'll use him as an example for what I deem as a football act, right? Cochin was going the ball. His head's pointed at the ball. Yes, he leaned in with his shoulder to protect himself. He's allowed to do that as a player. Yes, he hit Shell. Now, did he call the concussion or not? I think he did. Was he very lucky to get off the report? Yes, he was. Um, but that happens to other sides. You win some and you lose some. And I can cop whatever that decision is. But that, to me, is doesn't need a sin bin, doesn't need to, all right, caught you in a sin bin. What, when you see actions like Aussie Pickett's, when you see actions that have happened on the field that you clearly – are against the spirit of the game, they jump out the screen they, or in front of you, they jump out. Yeah. Those ones, if they're, all right, Cosy, there's there's no no worry about the outcome, mate. You've got 12 weeks off the sidelines. That's it done. And that's it. And that's the point. Like, I agree. You don't want to overcomplicate it, but the Tick's point, 
you know the obvious ones. That Koch one, that's not Sinbin. Yeah. That's a free kick. And if they look at it later, MRO, fair enough. But when you blatantly come off your line, don't go for the ball like Buddy Franklin and Pickett to iron someone out intentionally. No brainer. You can use the arc. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Pretty clear cut, Sinbin. You don't have to go any less complicated than that. It should just be for the real nasty shit. Yeah. See, I'm I'm of the opinion, like the Sinbin, again, not really going to work because people will say, well, that's what the sub's there for if you lose a player. You're still not disadvantaged with rotations. But I'm of the opinion, if the AFL is serious about this whole thing of, you know, outcome plays a factor in the judging, it should be two separate gradings. There should be the grading for the initial incident, say whatever, two weeks, and then something called injury loading where you take how many weeks the player injured from a suspendable action is out, and then they get that on top. That way, they're missing the same amount of weeks plus for the for mm. the action. So, if they're yeah, going to be few. if they're going to take outcome into account, that I reckon that's probably the way to do it. There's a few different formulas that could work. It's just an interesting discussion point because, yeah, there's got to be a, something else, and I don't want people to you know. There's going to be people who think, oh yeah, we're just copying other sports because NFL will do it and soccer will do it, but. There needs to be more deterrent for players and teams to be punished for in the now when, you know, Prestia goes off. They've still got Tom Stewart on the ground. They're at an advantage where a good midfielder down. Like, where's the the punishment? I'm not sure what the right answer is, but it, I wouldn't be against discussions being had about it. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll move on to, to our game. Uh, a draw of all things yes. to start the season. What was it, the first time since 1942 or something crazy like that that uh, a draw has started the season? So 8-10-58 apiece. Tommy Lynch, three goals. MJ, two. Rewalt, Dusty, Bolton, one each. I actually missed the Dusty goal. I was fast-forwarding to catch back up, and I thought nothing's going to happen in the first 20 seconds. And he's jagged a goal. But um, what did you guys think of the game? Grok, what was your take on finishing up in a draw after you know after the domination that we showed for large chunks? Yeah, it was... That last quarter was was intense. I was I was standing. I was at the game. I was standing in a bay, surrounded by Richmond supporters, and some dick was on his phone. Had the AFL app up and knew exactly how much time was left and let everyone know. So it took the suspense <laughs> right out of the game, <laughs> up until Lynch took the mark, and then it was like, oh, how long left? How long left? Sort of thing. But the game was very much. Being there, finals-like intensity, both teams defended first. It was like it, both teams' defences held up really well. I think our our forward efficiency going forward wasn't great. The first half was at 9%, which isn't fantastic. Like it was, it was poor. Just long bombs in two on one. Lewis Young just absolutely towed us up down, down back for them. He was probably their he best player. He yeah, probably their best player over the course of the four quarters. Um, I think there were passages where we looked really good, especially in that third quarter where we. I think as Nathan Buckley said, and I agree. We sort of took our foot off the pedal a little bit. I think the first half were a little too fast and tried to get the game force the game to be really quick and that as a result we were a little sloppy without with our handballs and and our kicks and just didn't execute as soon as we sort of slowed the game down in the third quarter we started hitting targets we moved to a more kick orientated game in this in the third quarter which i think helped us a little bit and yeah we, we scored the five goals there which was which was pleasing to see but 
I think that game, both teams, I, I think I saw a Colton supporter say they were they were lucky not to lose by more, unlucky, lucky to draw, but unlucky to lose the game. And I sort of feel like that's adequate. Like it could have gone either way. I think yeah. we were probably the better side for maybe 65, 70% of that game. 100%. Just couldn't convert up forward. 100%. And like that Shea Bolton snap, I mean, in with the situational awareness, he, he's just lacking that. And from there, I understand why they do it because it eliminates one side of the goal face. But at the same time, unless you hit it correctly, you're not gonna you're not gonna score. So yeah, I thought that game is going to hold both teams in really good stead come to the pointy end of the year. Yeah, I think it was a, a, a better game for both teams than maybe what it visually looked. Um, I think yeah. the sloppiness was down to the immense amount of pressure being placed by both teams. But for those who watched the broadcast or if you went back and watched the replay, when they interviewed Jacob Wiedering, even he said that he and a few other teammates have just gone through the stats and even they felt like they were lucky to escape with two points. And yeah, they had their chances. They were just a lot more effective than what we were, Tiggs. And I've got some stats we'll go through later. Um, and I've got some comparison stats to talk to you all about compared to last year as well, just to put in perspective how much different the game was. But Tiggs, what did you make of the game? What did you like, dislike? What was your thoughts? Yeah, look, it was a frustrating game at the first half. Like, I'm, I'm not going to go over what Grog said. I agree with it completely. Our disconnect was not there between our midfield and our forward line. Um, what was really pleasing last year with our back line would have folded because if you di- if you disconnect in your midfield and your midfield's not working hard, it'll, it means your forward line um, gets impacted, which really affects your back line because there's no overground pressure and you get opened up. That didn't happen on, on Thursday. Even though our midfield was not connected in how they transitioned the ball from def- midfield forward, defence midfield forward, they still worked hard. They still tirelessly blocked space, tirelessly followed their man, played the defensive game really, really well. It was just when we turned the ball over, which we did many a time, they didn't know what to do with it. And that's what it looked like in the first two quarters for me. Where do I kick to? Which which part of the forward ground do I hit it to? Which lane do I block to re- cause that repeat entry back into the our forward 50? And I think it took – I think a part of that is having two new boys in there not having Dusty and Shy in there as long as they were in previous seasons, past readjusting to the to the new dynamic under under match condition. And look, I do rate Colton's midfield. Um, and what? Uh, yeah. So I tweeted that I said, we, "It said if we can just clean up our connection, we'll get right back into this game and win it." And we did. Third quarter showed what we could do. We once we started hitting up our forwards, we looked like Colton could hold us. And it, but to their credit, they flooded. Um, they really tried to block our space, and that was that's what it looked like to me. For and you know they were trying to hit us on the rebound, um, and we adapted well to that. But by that stage, we had expended so much energy. I reckon um, we were gassed as well. First game of the year, so we couldn't continue regain the momentum for the third time. And yeah, we were lucky to get the um, two points. But look, for me, I think the um, predicted scores put us 23, 24 points up if we had a performed at the baseline, and that's how it looked to me. Uh, I did tip us 23-point winners. Um, so if we had a kick straight in the sense that we had it played like a, on the averages, we should have won that game. But, um, look, two points are better than zero. What I didn't like, to be honest with you, I didn't like the disrespect to Mansell from some of the Tiger supporters. Let's try Let's kick him out. Let's kick him out. The thing is, people don't realise he was on SART. 
And did, did Adam Saad have a fantastic game? No. Just look at the game last year. Adam Saad was one of their better players. What he managed to do was blanket Saad. And Saad can run all day. And this kid, um, with minimal senior experience, was able to get, reduce him by 80%. So I was really proud of that. And he looked lost in some, you know, when he gets more experiences, experience, he'll um, be a lot more proactive with his position. But his actual work ethic was with that. So that really pleased me. What really pleased me, mate, God, when we connect, I reckon the Adelaide game's going to show. I reckon halfway into the Adelaide game will finally click. So it generally takes about six quarters. We're going to, we've got a really, really strong midfield. If they all stay fit, yeah, you know, we've got, it's, mate, it's a seriously strong. It's super out. strong. Oh, it's a seriously That's... strong midfield, which improves our back line. Grimes looked like he was back to his old self. Why? Because he didn't have to work three times as hard. Yeah, they're, um, able, they're able to get set up defensively because we yeah, had the pressure around the ground. So, yeah, seen a few right. people knocking uh, Hopper's kicking. Um, now, two things: he got the kick to Lynch that got us the draw, yeah, so we'll take that. And second of all, I'll take his disposal every day of the week if he's going to keep Crips to not having a non-influence on the game at all. Yeah, exactly. Every day of the week, will I take yeah, exactly. it? Exactly. And he's a better um, kick than what he is. He's a better kick he, than what he, he is. Now, so. but but, he, he'll yeah. move into it. It's fine. It's, he'll, it's, he'll work into the season. I mean, first game in front of a cheering 88,000. Probably the smile on his face. Yeah. Taranto's, the smile on Taranto's face at the end when he was interviewed in the rooms was just fantastic. But I think Hopper's game was okay without being good. He was serviceable. He did what he needed to do, but just didn't really do much. And his his kicking was on par with Grigg in his first season. Like, and he, he sort of tidied that up the further he got yeah. into his career. So Hopper's Hopper will be good. Taranto, on the other hand, showed why I pref- would have preferred him if we had to choose between him and Hopper. Just I think he them. suits our game plan better than what Hopper would. But I'm, I'm stoked to get both. That was like, compare this to last year's game where they absolutely smashed us and Cripps in particular, like night and day, the difference between our midfield contests on, on Thursday night compared to what it was at times last year is completely different. Well, and I'll give you those stats. Oh, go on. And whoever was on Chris, Crips did a fantastic job for three quarters. He stood, up, he stood up in the last for them, which is kudos to him. But, yeah, his first three quarters, he was non-existent. And he normally gets the three, three Brownlow votes against us. So I'll, get, I'll go through some stats comparing the last two years. Just quickly, Andrew, um, Pickett wasn't injured. That was a pre-planned yeah, sub. He was only ever going to play two and a half quarters. Thank God. Um, all right, so Grok, to Grok's point, we'll get through this quickly so we can move on to the next game as well. Uh, but to touch on Grok's point, the stark differences between last year's round one and this year's round one is astronomical. So please, when thinking about the game and being a bit pissy that maybe it was visually shit, just keep this in mind and how much we've turned it around just based on pretty much the acquirement of two players um, and Dusty playing back to his old self. So on this week, just gone, the clearances, we won 36 to 32. Last year, we lost the clearances 40 to 22. So we got absolutely reamed. We've flipped that around massively. Tackles, this year we had 70 on Thursday night. Last year, 32. And tackles inside 50, we had 16 this year and one last year so the way in which our game plan as a not i want to say evolved but they've gotten their mojo back and playing to the richmond way if we want to call it that 
that it's evident in the numbers. The biggest letdown, though, was the efficiency inside 50. 37.9% is well, well, well below league average. So even if that gets to 40, 45, we win by four goals. I know that sounds very simplistic, but that's really how simple it is. And as you you guys said, you get that connection um, and just convert a couple more opportunities and we keep putting that same output. It's uh, it'll all click. Yeah, no, nah, it's yeah. Um, we had a really important question. It's banana, pomegranate, and cherry ice. There, buddy, <laughs> is the flavour. <laughs> um, look for me. Yeah, the pressure, the the, the ground pressure. I was, Devin was really happy. We, we, I think we broke a record for repeat um, for two, forward fifty turnovers. I think we had turnovers yeah, across six, the game of sixty six. Six sixteen in the first quarter, which is more than any side registered in the quarter last year. Yeah. So our games, our games there. Um, but can I? Are we allowed to highlight a few players that I reckon did really that really surprised me? Not yeah, yeah. Not we'll like, rip through them quickly. Yeah, go. That was rapid. That they came in like and Jack Graham. He came in with a limited preseason. He did exactly what we needed him to do, and some of his acts saved the game for us when it needed to be saved. Marlon Pickett's game and Nan Curvis's game equally were inspiring to me. Uh, they kept us in when we were under the pump. They were damaging when we needed to be. Um, yeah, they're the two outright warriors, both of those. But, mate, people – remember when um, Carousella left the club and Lepich left the club and uh, it's all it was all them, it wasn't Hardwick, Hardwick Scott, no moves. Daniel Rioli, he's picked one of his best pressure forwards and he's gone, you know what, son, after seeing you for four years, you need a change, we need to get you to change, put him in the VFL. Did Daddy people remember when we were losing games? It'll be very easy to go, hey, we'll put you back on the forward line. We need a win. No, he kept it, the education going, and then decided to put Dan Rioli into that back half. And we're reaping the results. He was he was scary in the sense of how good he was. Um, he was direct when he needed to be. He was accountable to his man and knew when to take the gold on. So they were the highlights for me, regardless of the result. Those four players, and yeah, shout out to some of the lesser lights in the sense like Miller and the like, but and Mansell, I just touched on, but those, yeah, we're we're in a really good place going forward. Um, yeah, but really, Dan Rioli, I'm so proud of the kid. That chase against um, O'Brien, I think it was, he was fresh, the fresh sub. I thought he was going to ping a hammy as well. I'm, I'm not so. I'm like, please stop, please stop. I'm going pull up, pull up, son. <laughs> <laughs> but he kept on going, and and you know you're running hard when you're doing the heads moving left and right. Left yeah, and he right. was knackered. He just, he just yeah, he um, yeah, no. Nah. Huge respect for the Be, Yeah, being being at the game, the one shout out that I want to want to give and having seen it is MJ. His work yeah. rate off the ball was phenomenal, and he is looking so much fitter this year. Like he was last year, he'd sort of do a massive chase and he'd blow up. He'd be blowing a gale, and then he'd sort of go again. Like on on Thursday night, he was okay. Make a fifty meter dash to put pressure on. And then switch back to the other side of the ground when Colton switch and just chase and chase and there's a little little fumbly with the ball. I think he was going too quickly for for his own good at times, um, spending the ball before he had it. But he looks he looks quicker this year than he did last year. I think that's probably to do with his increased fitness base. But he's also got that depth in his kicking. He, that goal from fifty he kicked he probably wouldn't have made the distance last year. Um, so I, th- I think he's going to be a weapon for us. And he was playing the, the shed ro- Shed's role. 
going through the midfield and then and pushing forward. So if he can continue that game, he'll be very, very good this year. I liked his game as well. The uh, the other player I want to bring up, and this is for CB, who couldn't make it tonight, um, Ben Miller, nine mm. disposals, four marks, one tackle, five hitouts. Now, if you were just to read the stat line, you'd say that was a, an average game. But if you watch his the ability he had to play at all three parts of the ground, so he's defending against Kerno and doing a bloody good job. Going forward when Rewald or Lynch went off, granted he did have that one botch kick, but he was take that out he was being a good target taking a defender and he was back up racking to nank all game uh he did an absolute monster amount of work and i think he rightfully deserves a big pat on the back as that hybrid player that's not easy to put yourself through three different possession uh, positions on the ground and mentally be able to switch and adapt um on the fly like that so i thought ben miller uh, did a great job and i think you know if he keeps doing things like that he'll find himself cemented in the 22. Can I just bring up a point, answer because Chris, uh, what is it, Cristiano Felica brings up a good point. Does Tarrant come back straight into the side? And I've got, I, lo- I love Tarrant, but I, I saw two things that I hope we keep Tarrant out of the side. First thing is Noah Bolter. He struggled on the weekend. And I think he even tweeted, he did some really good things, but he also that some things didn't go his way. And I sort of tweeted, keep your head up, son, just work through it. He needs games like what happened on Thursday. Those type of games is what makes you a better defender, right? He'll learn heaps. Yeah, when you when you lose him, but during the game you're fighting back, and you might just get better beaten by a better opponent. But what else can you do to to minimise the damage? And you could see him working his way through the game by doing that. If Tarrant had been in that side, it would have been an easy switch to make, and then you stymie Bolter's growth. So that's my opinion. And like Miller as well, I really think that you put either Tarrant in, Miller's can't play on the side unless Miller is the primary second ruck. So, um, and how much time will Miller spend in the back line if Tarrant says? So at the moment, I'm with one eye on to the future. I would only bring Tarrant in if one of our backs go down. Injury-wise, that's when you bring him in. Or um, put him as a sub. He might be the perfect sub when we need – because Tarrant's shown he can – forward a little bit, you know. We need that big body. If one of our tools go down, you just slot him in. Um, I'll be more than happy for that. But, um, yeah, I, because, yeah, we've still got Gipkis also that's out. So, um, but Bolton needs more of Thursday night. Like, I don't want him to play shit games. I don't think his game was shit at all. But he needs those type of games. Because that's what Alex Rance went through, people remember. Remember Alex Rance's poor shocking turnovers? Every time he had the ball, his first 20, 30 games, he would more often than not just kick it into the wrong spot, kick it to the oppo player, run like a gazelle and then just turn it over. But then as he got those games experience, it became like a laser. He would hit people on the tit and knowing how to use his athleticism. Bolter's got to learn that. And sometimes I had a coach, a coach's AFL tell me one time, players only learn so much on the training track. No matter how much you put them in the training track, they can, you can never replace game day. Yeah. So, yeah. Just with Bolter... I, I disagree that he had a bad game all game. I thought his yeah. first probably 35 40% of Thursday night was fantastic. Yeah. He's, he's set up behind the ball. He set up really well, got the fist in. It was only when they switched um, McKay onto him because Bolter was started originally on Kerno. And then when the ball was bounced, McKay would switch and, and stand on, on Bolter. And Bolter would Bolter gets the thing with Bolter is he gets a little lost when opposition switch on him. 
he sort of he gets caught in two minds and that they exploited that especially in the the second half i think mckay gave him an absolute bath yeah in the second half but his first half w- was solid I don't, so th- there was, was as as you said he did some good things he did some bad things and it was really really only for about a 15, 10 15 minute period in the third quarter that mckay got a hold of him outside of that he fought back pretty hard um and mckay was really worried about bolter too that's why mckay couldn't have played couldn't play his natural game so um, and look, I'm not disrespecting Taron at all. Yeah, he's, he's he's a quality defender, but reality is he's 30. What is he? 32, 33. At the end of the day, I'm just thinking, you know, give more education into Bolter if it means we lose a four point game for it. Um, because I still remember how Alex Rance grew, and he had to because we had yeah. no depth. Um, so that's why I kept on getting those games. Sometimes um, you might have to take that step back to go forward. But look, at the end of the day. Um, we're a stronger side this year than we've been for the last couple of years, I reckon. Yeah. Well, while we're on the topic of players, do we do Koch Watch, discuss his game? Yeah. Uh, a... Well, we can quickly, yes. We, we look better when he went in the midfield. I'll just say Agree. it. Um, when he went better in the midfield, his leadership shone. Um, yeah. In the third quarter, they injected him in. Our midfields knew where to run. I think he probably just had a word in Taranto's ear and a word into Prestia's ear and said, all right, boys, this is how I want you to go play the lines. And once that was done, we were just a completely different team. So that shows to me, one, the benefit of Koch, which people don't really quantify, is that if you put him in an area that you're weak on, his leadership will help reach coach, be the coach within the game, if that makes sense, and give real valuable direction. But as a forward, he's crafty, he's a, he's a legend. If the game's played that we could take advantage for it, great. But I reckon he should be um, just played in the midfield, give him stints in the midfield, long bench time, make him rest forward if Bolton or Martin um, are injured or aren't in that, can't do the rotation. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not sold on him playing forward full-time yeah. as a full-time forward. I'm not. Uh, and yeah. he proved that to me again on Thursday night when he went to the midfield to a completely different side when he was in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the opinion that... There's not many players on our list that can give us what Koch gives us in the middle, but there's a few players on the list who can give us what Koch would up forward. You know, we've got Juddy Clark, Ralph Smith, all, all these players who can potentially play on that half forward flank line, but there's not many who can replicate what Koch would do for us in the midfield. So I do think midfield's probably his his best position. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. All right, that was a good summation of the the Blues game. Hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, Now, I've got a stat that EJ sent through to me on Twitter because he's unable to make it tonight as well. Before I read it, though, just want to remember to say, if whatever platform you're following us on, make sure you give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever you're on, just to help us with the algorithm and help the uh, the brand grow. But uh, for those who like to sink the boots into Essendon, this is going to be a year-long death ride, so strap yourself in for this one. So Alton Johnswig has sent through that since nine, and he got this from Twitter, so he didn't find himself. We'll give credit where it's due. But since 1994, there has only ever been two teams who finished round one in first place on the ladder and then went on to miss finals. Adelaide in 94, Brisbane in 2007. That's so will Essendon, will Essendon be the third team in nearly 30 yes, years yeah. to finish yeah. round one, top of the ladder, and not make finals? Oh, yeah, yeah. from Fox yeah. Footy. There we go. Someone saw a Fox Footy and put on Twitter. Yeah. They will send it through, but that is an absolute cracker. Yeah, um, you know, if we if we weren't blessed enough to have the how many days since the final win, we've now got this one to ride out for the year as well. Yeah, no, they will be. Yeah, I, they will I be. mean, there's 
Yeah, there was a couple of, what was it, about 10, 15 years ago where they were winning eight, nine games in a row at the start of the season and then completely missing finals. So yeah. it, w- it wouldn't put it past Essen Doom to to choke. But, uh, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll death right Essendon all the way to the end of the year. All right, we'll take a look now at round two game versus Adelaide. I can't actually remember the last time we travelled interstate for a round two game. It's probably been quite some time. But anyway, round two against Adelaide, who lost to the Giants by 16 points after they were actually leading for a lot of the game. They got off to an absolute fly, the Crows, and I thought they were going to go on with it and win by 30, 40, 50 plus. But the Giants uh, reeled the Crows back in. Uh, So Rochelle kicked three goals, Rankin two goals, five. He was you know, very close to kicking a quite a big bag and Fogarty two goals were their, were their main goal scorers. Do we do our changes? What we think our changes will be for our team first? Cause that might tie into a few matchup related questions. Is that what we want to do? Yeah. All right. Uh, Grok and anyone else in chat, feel free to put through what, what do we think our changes are going to be for this week against Adelaide? I think the main one is Ross out as much as I love him. I think that last quarter against Carlton showed that we lacked a little bit of speed. So I'm expecting probably one of Clark or Ralph Smith to come in for Ross. I think that's probably the best thing. Them coming on late, I think, will be be a weapon for us. That's that's pretty much the only change I'm expecting. Me, um, yeah, similar to – I've got two changes just for structure because we're playing Adelaide. Ross definitely out. Um, I would put – I, I think I, I'm still a big believer in, um, yeah, we need to, our wings need that reinforcement. So I was thinking if Hugo goes in as well. But then I was thinking, you know what, um, let's replace, uh, we need we need to get Cumberland, we need to get Cumberland into the game, right? Um, but also I want Sonzi, I want Clark, there's so many kids I want in the game. So because it's interstate, there's travel, and it's only for that region, I would say Cochin, you're not in, and I would put Sonzi in. Um, as my first go-to. Squire, Sonzi, um, he's he, he's a ball in the midfield. He's a beautiful disposal of the ball. He's a good kicker. We're playing a young midfield as well, so it's a good educational game for me, for him. Um, and he has dash and he has dare, so um, I'd put him in. And um, he's shown in the VFL, can play forward when he, when, when he needs to. Um, so, yeah, I'll just replace Cochin for Sonzi and I would put Hugo in for um, Ross. Is Sonzi um, fit... Th- is Sonzi fit though? He was injured during the preseason and no, no, didn't play yeah. any of the practice games. He's not fit. So, no, no, he's okay. Before our uh, before the game against Carlton, there was a scratch match with Richmond and Carlton at Punt Road. Sonzi, yeah. Clark, and there was someone else who was mentioned to me played really, really well. I heard um, he was fit. Yeah, that was Intel I yeah. got. So I, I put in Sonzi. Um, yeah, so he, he's okay on that front. Yeah. Cumberland, someone who played well on Cumberland. This is going to be an unpopular opinion, and it's not my opinion. It's what Damien Hardwick said in his post-match presser, that he is essentially, in Dimmer's words, fighting Dusty for the same spot, and that's why he didn't play against Carlton. I don't think they want too many of the same type, and it feels like there's something a bit more into it in terms of getting him to learn or do something else yeah. at VFL level. I don't know what it is, um, but I, I, I don't see him coming back in this week based on Dimmer's comments. It's almost like setting up the long game to not play him for a few weeks. Yeah, I, I wanted Cumberland in, but yeah. going back to the comments that Dimmer said, competing with Dusty, but then I look at it, not really, because Dusty can push into the middle where Cumberland can't. So yeah. I'd probably play Cumberland in the role that Dusty played Thursday night as a deep forward, 
push Koch into the midfield full-time if he plays and then have Dusty as that half-forward who, who can go deep or, or push up into the midfield as needed. I think I think what he meant by that is to get Cumberland to play like not to play like a Dusty, but get the tools in his kit back that if he the forwards, yeah. medium forwards need to push into the midfield, and you need to know what you're doing in the midfield as you're kicking inside fifty, which is a weapon for Dusty. Dusty created goals when we looked like we weren't scoring at all. When yeah. when we needed that to heat up that forward, he would hit that forward up. Some of his kicking was elite when we were shot for our inside fifties. If, if Cumberland was in position of that ball, it would have been just another turned over 50, um, just because where Cumberland's at. Um, so I, 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 it, it screamed to me what we did with Caddy. It screamed to me what we did with Dan Rioli. It screamed to me he does this. He'll, he'll go, yep, yeah, we're going to play. You're good enough to be 22, but I need you to do X and Y before we put you in. And I don't think more to compete against Dusty, but to complement Dusty. Because yeah. my sneaky so- suspicion is we really think Shy Bolton um, he's got to be more of a full-time midfield winger and midfield forward to keep this mix right. Um, that's my yeah. feeling. So, but to do that, you need Cumberland to be able to produce a lot more. So to, to wheel back around to what changes I think will happen, I I think Koch is a good chance to be rested. I said yeah. before the season started that I don't reckon he'll play many interstate games. Um, and I think that Ross may come out too, and I'd be bringing in Sonzi and Juddy Clark if it was me. Yeah. Or Ralph Smith. Yeah, yeah. Either either of those two. I'll, like I said last, I was shocked that Juddy Clark didn't play round one. I thought he had good runs on the board in our practice games with his work rate and uh, the way he's positioning himself. But yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it was yeah, Koch and Ross out for Sonzi and Juddy Clark or Ralph Smith. He was Clark, the other one who had a good Ralph one in the VFL. His still kicking is elite. Yeah. Clark, he'll kick, you know, he'll kick you, he'll kick the ball 60 metres and hits you up, a running target. Yeah, that is yeah, such a hard skill to have. Yeah. He has it innately, and we, we're crying out for a player like that. And that's a good call, Nick. And that, that did play into my thinking that round two might be a saving thing for Cotron because yeah. there's not as much wear and tear on the body yet. Um, but it'd be interesting to know if it was pre-planned as well. But, um, look, I'll, I would be equally as happy if Koch played, so don't get me wrong on that front. It was just how I feel it might pan out. But on the Crows, where do we think the game is going to be won and lost? There were some interesting notes um, that CB actually told me from the GWS game that when the Giants threw some bigger and more experienced bodies into the middle, that's when they started to get on top of the Crows. Um, and I think with our inclusions of Taranto Hopper, Graham playing, I think that could maybe play into our favour, Grok. Yeah, the the Crows, their midfield is getting a little old now. I mean, Sloan is what, 33, 34. You got Crouch, who was a... Matt Crouch, who's a big out for them, being injured, so he's out. But, yeah, their midfield's probably their weak point. They've got a great ruck in Riley O'Brien, but it's just them needing to capitalise on O'Brien. They they need those hit-outs to advantage to be competitive. So I'm expecting us, based on what we did to Colton's midfield on Thursday, to really generate a lot of scoring opportunities out of the middle going forward. So... Yeah, I think it, the onus is on their back line to stand up. Otherwise, I think this might get a little ugly for them. Antiques contested footy. That seems to be the key to winning most games these days. Do we yeah. Have we got the right mix, you know, well, amongst our yeah, ranks now to be able to, yeah. to get us over the line? I'll persist with what we've got. The, the, the strength of Adelaide, I know you just sort of shit on their midfield grog, but their midfield when it's supported by the young, young half-forward flankers, is quite, that's where they get their energy to lift from 
and their wingers come in, their young wingers come in, um, and probably to balance out the, the, the older call. Um, and that's why they were on top really impressively on, on GWS. They, GWS couldn't get past the hard-forward line when um, because they were just getting the ball turned over with the speed um, that they put on the ground. Um, but with young legs, yeah, big bodies come in, the younger legs tire, and then you run over the top with them. The key for Crows, if we can beat them in the guts, we win the game. They don't have they have they have good players across lines, but then that rebuilding mode at the moment. Um, if we play like we play against Colton, but actually kick straight and hit a target in the forward line, we should win this pretty comfortably. And that's no disrespect to the Crows. It's just we're in a different. Um, yeah, but inside ball, win the inside ball against them. Uh, match their pace on the outside in the midfield, we win. Worth noting, I think, and not that this really means anything, but I think their game, they had about 40 tackles apiece. So we were kind of almost another 30 again. So it could be a different type of pressure that we bring compared to what they had last week, if we can replicate it again. Um, the pressure on the midfield, Grok. So I know we said we've got to beat their midfield, but a lot of that comes down to as well, that's going to help stop their forwards because Rankin's awfully dangerous. Uh, Tex can still take a grab. Fogarty's good on the lead, can take a grab. It can both kick long-range goals. Um, and Rochelle, when he's down there, is obviously very dangerous too. So how much of stifling their midfield is going to contribute to actually keeping their forwards quiet? Because Dim has been a little bit all, all about this team defence model, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily stifling their midfield. As we know that Dimmer doesn't really like to go defensive, he, he backs his players in to win the contest. So I don't think we'll necessarily try and stifle their midfields, their midfielders. I think we'll back Taranto, Hopper, Koch, Prestia in to win win the ball like they did against Carlton Thursday night. But their their half forwards are a bit of a bit of a worry, Rochelle and and Rankin. But I, I think um, our half back line is probably better than GWS's. I think we're a little bit better defensively than what GWS are as a, as a backline. Um, so I, th- I think for for Rochelle, I'd probably maybe go broad, or I th- and Rankin. Probably you'd have to you'd have to give it to Rioli. He's probably the quickest one down back that we have, um, plus his ability to tackle. Um, you know, Rankin's not exactly a really big, bulky type forward, so. Rioli should be able to, to tackle him. So, yeah, I, I do think we got the weapons to to counteract them or at least try and limit their influence. It's just whether or not they they can get enough out of the midfield. And, Tiggs, what about things that we can do better? What do you want to see us improve on from last week for our own yeah. game plan? Obviously, I'm guessing the big thing for you is going to be the 450 entries. Yeah, that's that's it, on the nail on the head. A defense, defense was superb. Our midfield's ability to win first possession and re, uh, recover post-clearance possession was elite. Um, that pressure was elite. So, yeah, it's just been able to... A couple of things. Uh, our forwards knowing where to lead to create space to make it obvious for the kicker where to hit. That was, you know, that was crucial to improve on that. How to spread the defence instead of just, you know, a ground ball. And I noticed we... And it's probably because we're still, you know, we've got Dusty and Bolton in there now and um, we've only got... Um, junior is our main uh, crummer, but, you know, when the ball goes to ground, you know, how to actually create that as a dangerous, you know, to create a set shot on goal. So, yeah, really anything about hitting up a target inside 50. Um, 
and getting a, a decent penetrating um, inside 50. And sometimes we could have hit it straight on the goal square or deep within that 30 circle. And for some reason, we just sprayed the kick or went straight to the pocket um, without backing our forwards in. So um, that's what I'm interested to see. And, and we're coming up at the defence where we should be able to do that. Um, their half-backs are really quick. Um, but, yeah, the big, tall defenders, I wouldn't say a top tier if you compare them to our forward line. So, uh, yeah, hit targets, boys, forward 50, we should be right. And uh, to your point here, Nathan, with whoever Rioli plays on is going to have to chase them the other way, I think that's precisely why I'd like him on Rankin because I'm not completely sold on his ability to run back hard the other way just yet. He's very good when he's running forward and flashy around goal, but will he have the discipline to chase Rioli at breakneck speed mm. out of the back line? So that, that would be the way I would go. The uh, the other matchup that's down the other end of the ground, obviously Brody Smith for them is a man who sets up quite a bit of play from the back half. I wouldn't mind MJ, I don't want to say tag, but applying some serious heat to Brody Smith anytime he's near the ball just to stop his run and carry out of the back line, Grok. Yeah, Smith and Smith sets up a lot for them. And Laird, as someone mentioned, had an absolute nightmare. On the weekend, he had probably his worst game since his debut season for Adelaide. So I think those two are really going to want to set up. I do think MJ is going to be a key for us being able to shut that down. And I think K-Mac and Pickett as well, pushing up sort of to defend that empty space, sort of 70 out, not allowing them to run like they like to do. Because Laird and Smith, they like to get the ball 45 out from, from their goal and sort of run 20, 30 metres and then drive, then kick forward. If we can shut down that space for them to run, I think that's going to go a long way, a long, long way t- for us to, to get on top of them. Good shout as well in chat with Mansell being another suggestion yeah. to play on Smith as well. That's not a bad a bad option either. But And maybe it's a rotation thing. Maybe there'll be times when Mansell watches him and then times that MJ... Um, but we just need to shut down that running creativity. So that's a good a good shout. And the one thing on Mantle's game, I know he didn't get big numbers uh, against Carlton, but he was cracking into contests and, and driving blokes into the ground fairly. And that's the kind of pressure he brings. He brings a bit more ferocity and a bit of manic type work rate and pressure. And the main the thing he thing... did do is he cut off the uh, – Carlton, one major play is in the back half, they love, they love to feed the ball to Saar, right, to do that – Quick kick or that release handball, Saad grabs and off he goes directly down the corridor. They couldn't play that all night. I think they only did it once. And the reason was Mansell was on his Haber all game. So they didn't want to risk the turnover by hand or foot because Mansell was that close to him. Um, there was a couple of times Saad's a really good play, got away from him and there was a good chase down by Daniel Rioli who backed him up. Um, but that's what I think, yeah, for Mansell to stay on the side, he's got to keep on improving that part of his game to his other athletic attributes, catches up to his football ability. Because I see him as eventually end up becoming an in and under midfielder for us um, as he as he ages through. Um, but um, yeah, that's what he needs on, to do. On that, Nathan, I reckon tackle the way they record is a bit deceiving because he was yeah. definitely crunching bodies and maybe they're releasing it just before, so it doesn't technically count as a tackle. But he was whether you wanted to then call it perceived pressure just before they kick it as opposed to a legit tackle, but. Same, same. In my book, it was still putting people off an effective disposal, which is just yeah. as good. It's also, I think, um, block and space. Rosie um, Beam, Rosie yeah, Beam yeah. in chat on YouTube. Give it a rest as well, please. Yeah. The two things that I think we do need to tidy up from Thursday is defending the switch kick 
Carlton did get out in space on the on the other side of the wing far too often. And, you know, we put it on Rioli um, with his chase on O'Brien late. But our ability not to defend that side of the wing could have cost us if McKay didn't slip. I think that was a massive turning point. And all night, that was the Blues thing was to switch to the, to the other side and we were too reactive and slow to that. I think... I think that'll be something that Adelaide looks to exploit, trying to cut through the middle and then switch to the other side of the wing where the empty space is. And also our manning up from a from a centre clearance. I mean, Baker on Acres in that last stoppage where Acres dropped that absolute chest mark after Lynch kicked the goal. I think we do just need to, to be a little mind, mindful of where our direct opponents are from at a stoppage. Mm. One thing that's so on my head I don't know, it's because I've got concussion or whatever. It does my head in. Every time I see it, and I see it, 90% of our kickouts, they keep on kicking it to the right pocket every single time. It's doing my head in. You know, yeah. we've got runners in the side. We've got elite yeah. markers. Let's do a two-in and kick it straight up the guts if we need to. But you'd be daring. I don't know why we always kick it deep on the, the pocket. It does my head in. That's, that's just my yeah, head I mean, in. It, it was evident. On Thursday, we'd go long and slow to sixty out on the right on the right wing flank oh. area, but Carlton would go to the left and they'd move it quickly and they bust us open. Sometimes I just wish we'd move the ball a little bit quicker. Like don't don't be so predictable. Let's just switch, go long, have someone run, and then sort of hit up a short kick and then switch, break the other side open. But we don't seem to do it. Just don't do what Frost for Hawthorne did and try and launch a torp when you're penned in on your boundary line deep in your defensive 50 and <laughs> absolutely shank it. Uh, yeah. The last matchup before we get some tips quickly, who, who takes Dusty as they're assuming he's playing up forward? Because this is where I think we might get a little bit of an advantage with the, the plays we've got down there. I know you've got to pay ultimate respect to Dusty, but at one point or another, he, he might be able to get off the leash. It's a good question. I'm just checking. I don't know their backs. Hold on. Yeah, I think I think probably duty takes, or yeah, or maybe butts. I That's think who I thought. I th yeah. yeah, if we can isolate that though, we'd be um, we'd be reasonably happy with that. I would have thought if put, we can move it quick enough. If I was there, I'd put Dawson. You'd want to put someone that's a bit bigger that also has a bit of speed and also has a playmaker himself, which he is for them um, in the half back line. He's got the height to go with Dusty. Um, yeah, Butts will probably just be ragdolled, so would Doty. Yeah, they're going to have to put multiple players on him, which is great for us. Because I don't see anyone in their back line that will be able to hold Lynch, really. They're going to be double and triple teaming. Um, I think that, I think they're going to be relying on team defence similar to what that's we are. Right. Yeah, that's right. So, and, and that's what makes the midfield battle so much more crucial. I can see Walker playing back, funny enough. You know, ruck and then running backwards. Just um, to fill a hole. Yeah, to fill a hole. They're going to have to do something like that. They're going to have to think out the side of the square. Walker on Jack, cripple fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get a tip, including margins. Everyone listening as well, make sure you send through what you think the margins are going to be for this one. Grok, you can go first. If we can get a fair run and don't get reamed by the umpires like we did 33-13 last year, um, I think, yeah, I think we'll win by, if as long as we can fix that forward connect, uh, 37 points. 
Yeah. I reckon about 32. I reckon it's a six-plus goal game, and it's no disrespect to... Um, it's no disrespect to Adelaide. It's just where they're at um, at the moment. I reckon we could, um, yeah. They don't like counter-attacking football, quick turnover because of defence. They need time for the defence to set up because of the age of their back line still quite young. Um, so we can really expose them on that if we just hit targets. If we blast away, we'll win by like 18 points. If we maintain our system and turn that ball over quickly and laser it in, yeah, we could win 33-plus. I think it's going to be a tougher game than maybe what we think. Um, a lot of people have got Adelaide marked as their bolter for the year, which is interesting to me. But I think if we can apply the same pressure we did against Carlton, have the same kind of tackle numbers um, and win the contested ball, I, I think somewhere between 80 to 20 points. But it wouldn't shock me if it took for a while to, to break them, um, especially at their home deck. I think they're going to be up for the challenge. They've got some good recruits themselves. But it should be a good game, and you know this is where that the extra two points could come in handy because if we if we get a win, we're going to jump up over a couple of sides, uh, and it makes things a bit more interesting. But we just need to get our first four points on the board. I think is the main thing. Yep. All right, Grok and Tiggs, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Much appreciated, Tiggs. Um, really great to see you back on and up and about. And I'm hoping the recovery keeps improving for you uh, as the thank days you, go mate. by. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, and you know, you know, you've got a lot of love from the the Tiger Cast fans. You're obviously sending you messages and tweets, wishing you well. So, um, oh, no, that's great. Fans. Yeah, Magpie but fans you as well. You've got two supporter bases. Not my, uh, not my Tiger seventy one. So I, <laughs> I miss them, but no, nah, it's all good. No, nah, it's all good. And another reminder that April third is going to be when Richo's on eight thirty till nine o'clock. So make sure you pencil that one in your calendars. That'll be an absolute ripper. Uh, uh, make sure you give us. Yeah, Aaron, you're right, mate. On the um, on the defender, I I was digging around. I actually believe, from what I was told, take it for what you will. I'm not saying it's a lock yet. I've, I've still done a bit of work, but we have put a, a filler out to the um, McKay from North. So I don't know. If, I've heard out we're linked to him as well. So we'll see. Does that mean, Very. given the meme that we're get that we're getting Harry from Carlton as well? That we've identified him as a target, that's all I've heard. Um, and my mate who's pretty solid, he's pretty um pretty firm on it. But my other two mates are, oh, I'm not sure. So that's the reason why I didn't go with it, because I've only got one, I normally go with the three. But one of the one, though, is the one that's normally always right. So he's heard our name definitely linked with McKay's management. So we'll see where that there leads us. There you go. Uh, yep, might jump on. Kind of might play a couple of Fortnite games. We'll see how we go. But uh, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Much appreciated. Um, shout out to CB and EJ as well. We're doing some work-related stuff tonight or, or in meetings. And hopefully the Tigers get up. What are we playing Saturday afternoon, 4.30, 4.45, four somewhere, around, four, somewhere around that yeah. mark. So for those who are in Adelaide and are going to the game, good luck. Make some loud noise. Hopefully it's uh, a good game for you. But uh, the rest of the Tiger Army will be watching from home and cheering loudly. So have a have good a night, good everybody. Night, and go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.